This is The Immigrant View, a podcast for immigrants by immigrants. Welcome to the show. The Immigrant View is brought to you by ImmigrantNetworks.com. Hit the record button. Mm-hmm. Hi, everyone. It's a great pleasure being here. Welcome to The Immigrant View. My name is Aya Oweduni. Really excited to be here with you today. You know, um, it is, uh, the the summer is ending, and you know, by the time we're recording this podcast, so I'm timestamping this uh, podcast. So for those of you that have enjoyed the summer, that's awesome. I hope by the time this airs, depending on when the team airs it, it's not snowing wherever you are. Uh, it's probably during the fall period. So uh, I do hope that you're enjoying that moment in time as well. So let's just ensure whatever time we're in, let's make the best out of it. Um, it it's just always beautiful. Regardless of the situation, we should be able to make the best out of it. Uh, by the way, just wanted to speak from my sponsor's end. Um, kudos to Immigrant Networks, who is helping us with the podcast. So make sure you visit immigrantnetworks.com. Uh, It's a great platform for all immigrants. Let's get started with today's podcast. Today, I have a serial entrepreneur in the building, a small business columnist, and she's an instructor as well, teaching how to start your small business in in a local college, uh, in a college, sorry. I don't know why I need to put local there. However, she's also an immigrant, which is so exciting. I'm so excited about that. Uh, She owns a restaurant, I believe. And also um, uh, a pet food store. Okay, I wasn't sure the name of the pet food store, but I don't have it written here. But you also own a pet food store. So that's so exciting. This is great stuff. And and it's just really cool. Because of her, let me say this. Because of her, there's a franchise workshop or two-day program coming up. And my wife and I are going uh, because we want to explore um, chances of doing. It. I feel like well, after I spoke to you, Carla, um, by the way, let me let me introduce her probably. I've not finished my introduction. <laughs> Sorry about that. Ladies and gentlemen, join me to welcome, ladies and gentlemen, non-binary folks and everyone else listening. Welcome, Carla Briones. How are you, Carla? <laughs> I'm good. Thanks for having me. Good. You can tell I had my coffee this morning, huh? I can tell that. Quite the introduction. <laughs> I've not hit my afternoon crash yet. so <laughs> That's good. Still going with it. But uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. As you timestamped your your podcast, I'm in the tail end of enjoying what's left of summer. So, um, so really, you know, it's 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 the best time of the year for me. <laughs> Anything sunny outside. That's fantastic, fantastic. So, um, I mentioned earlier on you owned two, uh, three franchises. Am I correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. And I would funny after we spoke and we agreed okay this is the area of focus and what we're going to be talking about i um i feel like i just started seeing immigrants who owned franchises you know we went out to eat at a restaurant and the owner is an immigrant and we've had amazing conversations with him and we're hoping to bring him on the podcast sometime soon to speak about his journey and experience there is uh someone else that owns a pharmacy and he owns probably four or five of them and it it's not just he owns them in different places, as a matter of fact. So within an hour to three hour drive from where he lives, which is quite interesting. So, uh, you, you know, that thing they say about psychology, when you speak about it, suddenly your mind starts to look out for it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what has been happening so far. And then the workshop came up and I'm like, all right, Carlos talked about it. 
I'm in one area, but I have thought about expanding into this area long-term. This is an opportunity to start even doing my research on it. So thanks for all of that. But let's start out with your story. Where did you come from? When did you come to Canada? What was that transition like for you? Yeah, so I'm originally from Mexico, from the north of Mexico, um, in a town called Chihuahua, which is where the dog comes from. Um, and it bordered Texas. Wait, wait, wait. Time out, time out. No way, really? <laughs> Chihuahua is yeah. a place called Chihuahua. Correct. Uh, there is a there is a state in the, actually it's the largest state in Mexico in the country, and it's the state of Chihuahua, and the capital city is Chihuahua. So that's where I come from, and that's where the dog comes from too. So. Uh, yeah, so I was uh, born there and I stayed there till I was 18. Mm -hmm. And then my parents um, decided to immigrate to Canada just because it was around the time that the drug cartels and all the drug wars in Mexico that you now see on Netflix um they were they were true that's what i um i started living that reality and it wasn't safe so we decided to or my parents decided to quit what they were doing my dad is an entrepreneur um a veterinarian doctor had his hospital my mom was a school teacher and we immigrated to canada uh we drove we drove in a u-haul <laughs> from mexico across the states and arrived into ottawa in 1997 so i've been here for a while um but i mean i was you know born and raised in mexico and i'm i'm mexican through and through and i you know that's what i speak at home and i spanish and and I keep going back to Mexico because I still have a lot of family there. Um, and uh, we lived your typical immigrant experience, by the way. Back then, in the late 90s, there was not a lot of, actually, there was very little help for immigrants. There were no settlement agencies. There was no immigrant networks. Um, <laughs> you know, had that existed back then, Nick would have been a saving grace. Um, so, yeah, so we lived your typical immigrant experience. My dad started selling gas contracts from door to door. My mom started cleaning homes and I had three part time jobs while going to university. Yeah. um to help pay for for the bills so um in a nutshell that's sort of the immigrant immigrant story and then uh, i'm gonna skip a lot of hardship that probably a lot of listeners might be familiar with might be experiencing um but eventually my my father ended up recertifying as a veterinarian doctor and okay. eventually uh so it took him about into but he was doing it part-time just because he also needed to put food on the table um, and it took from the moment that we came to the moment that he got his recertification seven years. Wow. So it took a long time. Um, there were not as many, uh, facilities or as, as many, you know, um, uh, you know, right now there's loans and whatnot that you can access in order to recertify and get, you know, the, the books and whatnot for, for your recertification program. Um, that wasn't available back then. So it took a long time. It's probably 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 faster now okay. um and then at 52 when he was 52 he opened his business so when a lot of people are starting to think about retirement uh he opened the clinic and I graduated from journalism in university and eventually said you know I should have been a vet but I can't go back to school um what can I do instead I want to I want to have my own business and I went into the pet food world and, and uh, it's a natural health health food store for 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 animals okay. um and it's a franchise it's global pet foods 
Okay. Why did you select a franchise rather than actually trying to start yours from scratch? That's a great question. Um, so I saw how much my dad struggled starting his own hospital here, uh, trying to figure out everything on his own, trying to figure mm-hmm. out vendors, trying to figure out absolutely everything on his own and the mistakes that he made initially, uh, which was a great learning experience for him. Um, I was pregnant at the time when I decided to go into this venture and I sold everything that I own, the very little that I own to invest into this venture. So I didn't want to risk it. Um, And um, I decided that it probably would be better to buy into a system that was tried and true. Um, I did a lot of due diligence. I talked to a lot of other uh, franchisees. Um, looked at the numbers and I did a, I, I think the due diligence lasted about a year <laughs> to make sure that I was buying into a good system. Um, right. Yeah. And it was, it was great. And it was a system um, that allowed the franchisee to be a bit more entrepreneurial. So they, they're not like breathing down your neck, like other uh, franchises could potentially be. Uh, and I really like that. They actually, it was the best of both worlds. They would give us a list of, of distributors and, help us with the opening process give us a system but then they also gave us or give us the freedom to run with it and grow it and find our own products and um you know and put a little bit of our own flavor into into our shops wonderful now um just thinking this through in terms of uh, financing uh, mm-hmm. a franchise i you know while speaking to someone that owned one mm-hmm. i was under now i know nothing about franchising so i'll just be as open as honest as possible maybe the listeners know a lot more than me on this one um but i was under the impression okay let's say it costs whatever the amount is 200 300 or whatever to to start one and then there are the yearly fees that come mm-hmm. into play as well i was under the impression that you needed to raise all the money so when i asked someone he said oh no you raise a percentage um, just like purchasing an investment property, and then you can get some sort of financing as mm-hmm. well. Uh, Absolutely. Could you walk me through what that looks like? As Absolutely. Well? Actually, for for you and your listeners, I wrote an article precisely about this, about what it's like to open a franchise as an immigrant. Um, so you can just go to carlabriones.com slash blog and then just search franchise and okay. you'll get the article. And I break down all of the costs and I break down how everything worked on our side as franchisees and as immigrants, mm. uh, which is, uh, I, I never seen our articles that kind of specify everything. So basically what it is, is um, the franchise fee. So anytime you buy a franchise, the franchisor is going to charge you a franchise fee, which is sort of like your initial fee that in essence, that's basically the system that you buy. So that's sort of their manual mm-hmm. with the list of distributors and like the step-by-step instructions on doing whatever. So that manual, that system mm-hmm. is, um, they charge you a franchise fee. And usually franchise fees vary between, depending on the type of franchise you're opening, but be ready to shell out about $50,000 just for the franchise fee, just the initial franchise fee. That fee, the bank will not um, uh, will not finance because it's intangible for the bank, right? Okay. So that's something that you have to make sure that you've got unencumbered cash in order to be able to afford that franchise fee. Okay. Now, after that, 
Uh, it depends on what kind of program you want to access for financing. And usually for franchises, what banks and the franchises end up recommending, it's a federal program, which is called the Canada Federal Small Business Lending Program, okay. where the government guarantees like something like uh, 70 to 75 percent of mm -hmm. um of the uh, of the loan and the other part of it is guaranteed by you as the lendee. So, which is great because if things were to go sour, then you're not liable for the 100% of the loan, just 25 to 30% of the loan. Okay. Anyway, so it's guaranteed by the government and it's any bank can actually administer it. So it, it's up to the bank to tell you how much they can lend you for with that program. The mm -hmm. bank will always want to see, um, so let's say you have, you know the entire investment is going to is going to call five hundred going to cost five hundred thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars of that is uh, the franchise fee, which the bank assumes well, they're going to make sure that you have it in cash. But then the bank is also going to want to see some sort of extra cash. That's my my door. My door. Somebody's barking. Sorry. Hold on a second. No worries. All right, we were having a great time, and then the dog just came and had to mess everything up. Right. I'm oh. so sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Welcome back to the show, and we're handing it back to Carla. We were talking about the lending process. Yeah, so as I was mentioning, uh, the bank is going to want to see the franchise fee in cash that you have the money for that but okay. then they're also going to want to see a percentage of the total investment in unencumbered cash so you know 10 percent, 5 to 10 percent of the total value of the of your investment they're going to want to see it in in cash that you have it so unencumbered cash doesn't it can be like a line of credit or anything in credit it has to be like you know cash cash unencumbered mm -hmm. and then they will finance the rest that's one type of program um and that's actually the the easiest and i'm gonna put it loosely but is the easiest program to access because the banks feel very um safe because the, the the government guarantees a percentage of of that land of, of that of that loan, so um, that's the that's the program that they're probably going to push for you to get the bank, um, and also a lot of franchises have partnerships with banks so that the bank has a threshold of um, how much money they can lend you for franchise A, B, C, or D. So mm -hmm. really talk to your franchisor, potential franchisor, if they have any. Um, partnerships or deals with um, with a financial institution because then it'll be easier to access that loan there. Awesome. So at the end of the day, you're saying uh, the the bank can help to finance up to seventy five percent. So you as the entrepreneur needs to be able to raise twenty five. Kind of. So um, it depends on the industry. So I know that for the food and beverage industry, um, that loan will finance up to eighty to eighty five percent. Okay. Um, of the total of the total cost. Um, and again, it's gonna vary by industry. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing that they do not finance or that the bank will not finance with that money 
will be HST. So you need to pay HST and ASIC. That's why they need you to have that unencumbered cash because you're going to need to pay for the difference. Um, so the HST, any plants, anything intangible. So if you need um, electrical drawings or an architect or so on and so forth, that type of loan will not finance that either. So that's why there's always, it's always a good idea to have a little bit of unencumbered cash um, uh, that you can use for that. Okay, wonderful. And um, can you pull funds together? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so for my third business, I ended up pulling funds from, uh, from my family. So my, one of my brothers and my mom and my dad, we pulled money together. And uh, we actually went in together in the business. They were part of the corporation. They're just silent partners. Right. Um, but yeah, you can definitely pull in money together. Okay, that was the next question. What was mm -hmm. that structure like? Were they joint venture agreements that were signed? And Absolutely. Uh, so it depends on who you're doing it. So my first two businesses, I did it just with my husband. Okay. So my husband, uh, each business is a different corporation. Right. Um, and we're both shareholders in the business. In one business, I have one percentage more of the ownership, and in the other one, he does. Um, and then in the uh, in the third business, I went in with my parents, my brother. We have another corporation, and all uh, all of us are shareholders. And then I just have the one extra percentage, just because I'm the the managing partner, basically. Wonderful. Now, Carla, I know from the last time we spoke, you 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 spoke about there's a program or a training that I believe you run for small businesses uh, mm -hmm. or people that are looking to become entrepreneurs interested in hearing more about how that works. Yeah. So four, four years ago when my dad ended up selling his business, um, he realized, and I mean, we all make mistakes <laughs> when we don't know what we don't know. Um, and uh, when he sold his business, I kind of realized that um, we really didn't even didn't get a lot of help when we were setting up our businesses and we made a few mistakes. So I decided to create an online academy. So it's Immigrants Developing Entrepreneurs Academy or IDEA for short. Um, okay. And it's uh, basically a seven, uh, no, sorry, it is, yeah, it's a seven week program where I take people from beginning to end, like, like from who can open a business and who can't to how do you scale your business? How do you hire, um, you know, how do you interview people? How do you do payroll and whatnot? So I take people from beginning to end on the venture of opening a business with the lens of being an immigrant and trying to put everything as simple as possible and direct links as possible because opening, trying to open a business in Canada, there's so many different uh, levels of government involved that, it's really hard trying to get a straight answer before opening a thousand windows on your on your web browser. So I pulled all of that into my workbooks and my worksheets so that you have direct access to everything step by step, how, what, exactly what you need in order to open the business, um, in order to hire, in order to like taxes, everything. It's basically what I wish somebody would have told me right. <laughs> when, when I opened the business. And ever since, like, since four years ago um so I just still have my businesses and I have an amazing team I've had my my businesses for 13 years now so um it wasn't easy to, to create the team but now we have the team in place and um you know what I want to be when I grow up is what I'm doing which is helping immigrants and underrepresented 
entrepreneurs open scale and grow their businesses and and through the academy and through business consulting as well. Fantastic. Wonderful stuff. The reason why I'm asking this question to the listeners, uh, we we hope, uh, I mean, Carla and I, we've spoken beforehand, you know, most of the time we focus so much of our energy on finding a job and keeping a job and mm-hmm. hoping, you know, with um, people are downsizing and mergers and acquisitions and all these other things that take place. We're praying and hoping that, oh, we're not part of that people that are being mm-hmm. packaged out, so to speak. However, here's an opportunity for you to own something, for you to run something, for you to become a boss um, and be able to build your team and lead your team. And it's a totally different mindset. It's a totally different entrepreneurship is a beast, uh, but there is a level of empowerment and there is a level of um joy and satisfaction and like we say in nigeria you don't have to go beg anybody well except Mm -hmm. the banks and you know those people that you need 75 or 80 percent or whatever it is however beyond that you're not having to kiss anybody's behind to keep a job and to pay your mortgage you have an opportunity to do something great so this is an opportunity for us to start thinking differently um to start doing things differently as well as immigrants and uh, please visit Carla's website. Carla, what is that website for idea? Yeah. Uh, so you can you can look at it at carlabriones.com slash programs. So okay. go carlabriones.com slash programs and you'll see the, the different programs that I have. And then the other thing that I wanted to mention, Io, is that um, immigrants here in Canada, we're, we're very entrepreneurial. We're entrepreneurial by nature. Mm-hmm. Um, there, was a, there was a survey done by BDC, which is the Bank of Entrepreneurs here in Canada, um, where they discovered or they they found that obviously this is before the pandemic, but it's still pretty pretty recent information. This is in 2019 that in that year, 40% of all small businesses that started in that year were started by newcomers to Canada. Wow. So it's we we are we we are entrepreneurial in nature. I believe that's our superpower as immigrants. The, the fact that we're immigrants is a superpower in entrepreneurship. Because to be an entrepreneur in general, you have to be very adaptable. You have to be a risk taker. You know, all of these qualities that if you really think about it as an immigrant, you know, we took the biggest risk of our lives by leaving everything behind and starting over here. Mm. We have to be adaptable because we're in a completely new country and winters are cold and long. So we have to adapt to that. So, you know, innately, we already have those qualities that are necessary to be a good entrepreneur. So it's just a matter of figuring out what kind of business you want to open and go with the mentality, with the mentality that we already came here as immigrants. So um, we are doing it and a lot of immigrants are doing it. And another thing that I wanted to mention is that to be an entrepreneur, you don't have to be a full-time entrepreneur. It, it doesn't matter, like it, it doesn't have to be a like leave everything, you know, leave your job, leave everything to go full-time into entrepreneurship. Um, I've seen a huge trend uh, recently of um, of people in general, but especially newcomers, who have their jobs and then they start their side hustles. So they start their their side businesses. Mm. You know the businesses that they work on the evenings, the weekends, and whenever they have a free moment, and then they start growing it organically until it becomes their full-time gig, which is a great way of doing it too. I mean, it's going to be more exhausting because you're going to have to manage a few things at the same time. 
but um you know it's you still have that security of having your you know your paycheck mm-hmm. um and but then you're building your business on the side little by little until it takes over and then you're able to exit your business your um job and go full time on your business i've seen that happening a lot and a lot more um in the last uh, couple of years fantastic that is awesome and i'm looking at the pricing on the website I see something here for, and please correct me if I'm wrong. I see a $35 program, which is the business idea mm-hmm. lab. And I mm-hmm. see something further down the page for $74 and you have lifetime access. So this is not one of those where you got to pay $10,000. No. You know, and so there's uh, two programs. So the, the 34 okay. and actually I should, I should, um, I should correct the 74 because it should read 34. So the $34 program is actually for those people, um, particularly newcomers who are coming to Canada and they know they want to open a business, but they have no clue what would work in Canada. Because perhaps, you know, the idea that they have from their country might not necessarily jive in, in this country. So it's like, what are some of the things that you need to think about? You need to ask yourself, what are what are some of the things that you need to research and where to research them right. to see what are the industries that tend to be more profitable in this country? Mm-hmm. So that's that. And that's a $34 course. Uh, it's actually pretty complete. There's over 10 videos because um, that's the number one question that I get. What is the best business to get into Canada? And it depends, right? But that's basically that course answers that question. And then there is a second course, which is the IDEA program. Um, and that one is seven week program that is sort of like the signature course. If you already have the idea, you already know what to open and you just need to get going and know how to do it properly. Then that is the program, the idea program. And that one I have a special right now for $199, so $199. Okay. So I do it in a way that is accessible for everybody, mm-hmm. um, but they are still getting good quality training. They're getting one-on-one support for me as well. Um, and, uh, and yeah, to be part of a community because I put them in a, in an online community where other fellow immigrant entrepreneurs, you can talk to them, you can ask, you can, you know, ask for feedback and advice on whatever you're doing. Mm. Um, and the community is actually quite active. Fantastic. Fantastic. Awesome stuff. You know, Carla, thank you so much for being a part of the program. Uh, Definitely always uh, great to learn something new. And I'm inspired by your story and your drive and energy. And yeah, thanks for all you're doing for us and keeping the light shining and um, all that (laughs) wonderful stuff. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for what you're doing for immigrants as well and and, and lighting the shining the light on uh, on all of us. So thank you so much, too. Not a problem at all. And please say hi to the dog. (laughs) <laughs> well, that keeps interrupting. I think it also the dog also interrupted the first time we spoke. Uh, so, <laughs> funny, funny, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, it's all- Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Why don't you do us a favor and share this podcast with a friend or colleague? The Immigrant View is brought to you by ImmigrantsNetworks.com. Hi, I'm Nick Norani, founder and CEO of Immigrant Networks. Listen, if you're an immigrant or an international student. Looking to find a job and expand your network in Canada? Immigrant Networks is for you. Immigrant Networks, we say, networking to get working. It is a community built by immigrants just like you to help you overcome one of the biggest challenges that immigrants have when they come here, and that is finding and retaining a job. 
visit our website today and get matched within days with someone from your profession and learn and grow immigrant networks networking to get working music provided by bensound.com